How's that? Oh, yes. There are religious traditions that discourage celebrating anything, that discourage celebrating holidays, your birthday. And I make the case that the gift of church is that we provide each one of us with many milestones that we get to go, okay, I remember this last year, and this is what was going on in my life then. And Dang, it's still going on today. Or, I was worried about that then, and look where I am now. Which is why I love our membership ceremony. Because you know, like, uh, when you go to a wedding or you go to a memorial service. We'll stick with weddings first. You go to a wedding, and if you're not married, you imagine, well, am I going to get married? What would I, who would I marry? What, What do I, no, I don't want any of this stuff. I'll just do it. Or, this isn't quite fancy enough, and I want all the bells and whistles. Or if you're married, you go, oh, yeah, I remember my marriage. It makes you re-examine that, or you may be divorced. It may bring up really dreadful memories. But still, it's like taking a snapshot of your life, which is why we love seeing those slideshows at a memorial service. This person that we know had all these other lives. And memorials do that same thing for us. They're always a call to think about your life, and how you want to be remembered, and hmm, maybe it's not too, make, too late to make some uh, adjustments in your course so that your memorial might play out a little differently. And I think our membership ceremony is like that. Hopefully everyone here is either thinking about the, the, own, the time they joined, or if you're brand new, thinking, oh my, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Or thinking, oh, how lovely that this is how they sing their new members in. And indeed, we don't have a creed. We don't expect you to recite a set of orthodox beliefs. We are more difficult to join on a certain level. So this is one of those sermons where I want you to do a little thinking and remembering and talking to each other briefly. What I want you to do is turn to someone, and if you're smart, you might get yourself near a new baby, just saying. (laughs) It's that chance. And what I want you to say to each other is, when was the first time you either stepped into a Unitarian Universalist church? You can answer that question. You may have been born into it, and we forgive you if you don't remember that exact moment. Um, Or what was it like the first time you stepped into hope? You may have a memory of that. And if you're brand new, we are open to whatever you have observed. You know, sometimes we rush at people and make them too welcome. Or uh, you, you let me stand and be alone just the right amount. It's hard to greet newcomers well. So I'm going to give you a couple of minutes the first time you came to a UU church or the first time you came to hope.
What was the time of year? What were you thinking? Why did you come? What was going on? Go. Okay, one more minute. Bring it to a close. I was going to go in a different direction, but now I want to hear all these stories. <laughs> um, anybody have a story or hear a story that they would briefly share? Now you're quiet. Yeah. I know how to get you quiet. Would someone come up and talk? <laughs> Can you turn that on? Can you turn on the, uh, I'm looking for which mic it is, green, green mic. I popped this on Steve, sorry Steve Witt. 
I'll say it. I'll, I'll repeat it. I've got a very loud voice. <laughs> she has a very loud voice. Early 70s, first exposure, because I won't remember. (laughs) No, he hadn't turned it on yet. Try the red one. Technology. You didn't come to the church for technology, I know that. It is great. Okay, they're both on. I think I've got it now. (laughs) In the early 70s in Omaha, Nebraska, and I just went there. No. Yeah, <laughs> keep going. I was part of the women's movement. And we had a couple of members, uh, a couple of males that were part of our group that decided to get married. And they were actually married in the Unitarian Church in Omaha, Nebraska in the early 70s, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. Anyone else brave enough to speak up? Ken? My wife, Marilyn, and I were both uh, reared in unchurched households. We were married in a Southern Presbyterian church, which we attended for a little while. And then the punchline in the parking lot was, is this working for you? That's a great question. Is this working for you? One more. Charles. Two more, okay. We'll let Charles go and then Joan and then we'll wrap it up. My first. I, I, I think it's appropriate now for me to spend this following uh, uh, Ken Blencarn <laughs> and... Uh, when I joined the Army in uh, 42, 1942, that was, <laughs> that was, they put me in lineup to form a, a I, I can't do this. It's a good story. But I can't do it. Okay, I want you all to remember to imagine a feisty buddy, Charles Mills in 1942, who had ideas that were not in the norm. How's that? Joan. I was in Philadelphia um, attending a Quaker meeting, and we, this was the end of the Vietnam War, and we had a political meeting at the Unitarian Church in Philadelphia, and that was my first introduction to Unitarians. I'm going to encourage you to ask Charles and Anne for the story afterwards. That's why we have cake and cookies and coffee. Um, My first visit was, I was in my late 20s or early 30s. I was unmoored in the sense that I was here in Tulsa but didn't have family and uh, had grown up going to church, but knew the um, Episcopal church where I went wasn't, didn't fit me anymore. And um, uh, did what every newcomer did, 
went to a church, went to All Souls, and sat in the back. Hmm. Hmm. Understood about half the sermon. Hmm. Maybe if I go back, I might understand the other half. And the first time I came here, um, I had not heard of Hope Church. This is appalling even though I considered myself Unitarian and had gone to All Souls for 20 years, and came here when I was in seminary and thought, I need to know about the other Unitarian churches in town. So I called your minister then, Jack, and said, could I come talk to you and understand what this is about? And then the other memory I have is when you were looking at me to be your minister, and I so clearly remember standing on that step and on both sides of me were leaders. Claudia was one, Claudia Vandiver. And I remember asking, so what is it about this sanctuary that speaks to you? Because I wanted to hear what was in their hearts, and it was about nature, and it was about the organic shape. And then they said, well, really, it's about the people. That's what matters. I wanted to talk about membership because, as we said, it is simple to join, but it's really complicated. Just so you know, UU membership has been growing, contrary to other associations. Yay! (laughs) Yay, us! And we struggle as a church and as an association saying, so what does it mean to be a member? And there are all sorts of discussions about our bar, on some level, is really low. (laughs) I mean that in a good way. (laughs) Otherwise, some of you might not be, no, I won't go there. Um, The bar is low, it's simple. Sign the book. Understand that you're making a commitment. Um, There are other Unitarian Universalist churches, and there are other denominations where joining is really a much higher bar. I always love that the Jewish tradition, you have to knock on the door three times before they'll even consider letting you convert. Yeah. We want you to really think about it in your heart, what it means. We're the opposite. If this feels right, come, and then settle in. There are some UU churches that have very stringent, uh, we expect you to volunteer a certain number of days, we expect a pledge that's much higher than what we give, although I want you to know that we always make exceptions should your life situation change or require it. We don't want money to ever be an impediment. But there are studies out there that say when the expectations are high, that actually people join more readily because they want to be part of something that's really going somewhere, that really has high expectations of you. And uh, on some level, what we're here to do is raise our own expectations of ourselves, right? I'm not suggesting we change our membership. I'm just suggesting we think about what it means to be a member and what it means to welcome these new people into our membership. Um, And I think there are arguments on both sides 
for having really high um, demands if you want to become a member and for having very simple if we say we are welcoming to all then how could we have demands that are so high hmm? I remember John Wolfe and he's quoted a lot with this particular he was so pithy this particular quote saying the only reason to join a Unitarian church is to support it financially And I think I disagree with him. And I think the membership that John Wolfe was talking about was a different day and age when people joined churches. When joining, I think there's now, there's both a, okay, we'll talk low and high bar. There's now an aversion to joining something because the bar may be too high. And then all of us are joining stuff just with the click of a mouse. So joining has taken different connotations and different meaning. And we have to think about, so what does it mean to be a member? And the board and I and our administrator struggle with, there are privileges that come with membership. And then the word privilege is loaded. Wait, what do you mean? You get something I don't get? Well, that's not fair. I donate just as much time. I actually make a pledge. So why even have a membership? And I think it's a question we have to ask ourselves in this new new day and age when members when we when people are thinking about church membership like it's um joining the Sierra Club. And it's not. It's not a your pledge once a year is not like saying, well, this year I'm going to be a member again. The privileges are to participate. And to participate, we have an annual meeting coming up, and we need your thoughts and your heart as we elect new leaders, we're going to change bylaws, we're going to discuss even our, our mission and goals, our values. And so those who are members get to vote. And those who are not members, we're not going to exclude you. We want to hear your thoughts. Come to the meeting. But what does it mean to join Hope Church? And then there are issues of ages. So we've had children go through are coming of age, should they become members when they are 13 or 14? Should we have a separate category for them? They've learned all of the things that others who've gone to roots classes now know. They actually may know more than many of us here about what it means to be Unitarian and Universalist because they've been embedded in religious education and gotten it since they were young. I was going to go into a whole different path and talk about reason. And I'll do it just briefly, because I came upon an article that talked about, um, I'm still struggling with why facts are discarded so readily. And we are a tradition that claims we value facts and reason. And this article is asking, well, if reason is so important to our evolution, How come we're so easily swayed? 
and list all of the experiments that now show we actually aren't very good at reasoning and we're very easily swayed and that actually the depth of our commitment is often inversely related to how much we know about something complicated. And the last part of this notion of why, why have we evolved to have reason and is it really serving us and are we really reasonable is it makes the case that it's less about figuring out a logical sequence of, of things, that's important, but reason is actually useful for creating a community and maintaining it. It's useful for learning how to win arguments. And the example they give is, so, so we're cave people. We're living in a cave and we hunt. I don't really want to be the first one out there hunting because I'm more likely to die. So I have developed this ability to reason and make clear, you actually should be, you're the leader, you should be out front. <laughs> I know the scientists and engineers in here are squirming. <laughs> but I think what makes us different is that we are a tradition who is open to understanding that there are multiple truths and that I may be imagining that I have an understanding of whether we should let immigrants in uh, much more easily or whether gun laws really do make a difference. I think I know. But studies show, unless I've really studied that policy, I likely don't. I likely have a huge emotional pull to it. And as the world gets more and more complicated, we can't know everything, which is the other difficult thing. I am grateful that I don't have to explain or build a cell phone. I only need to know how to read whether I have Wi-Fi and bars or not and how to dial it. So I'm dependent on the wisdom of others, which is what this collective wisdom is about. I am dependent on all of you to better navigate what it means to be an honest, fair, loving human being. I'm dependent on your experiences. So my question is, I think membership, membership in Hope Unitarian Church is equal to a community that is willing to continue asking questions. I value that in us so deeply that we will argue and say, oh, I'm the one that's reasonable. But I am willing to listen. I am willing to ask. I am willing to have my mind changed. And that is a rare gift in a religious community. And we have to honor it and guard it and that's what becoming a member means. You're willing to be in a place where you're willing to have your mind changed and to hear other and new information. May it be so.